Chapter Fifteen of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Fifteen, on a mission to Dick. Evelyn was seated in the parlor car with her belongings about her. The neat farms and pleasant homes once more whirling past her, and Hillcroft a thing of history. She could not help remembering the journey thither and comparing her anticipation with the actual facts. How different it had been from what she had planned. She had not even seen her Aunt Joan. She found to her surprise a lingering disappointment about that now. She had lived for nearly three weeks, where Miss Joan Rutherford was a loved and honored member of society. She had learned to respect her from what she had heard of her, if she did not love her yet and now that she was actually speeding away from hillcroft she began to think how disappointed her father would be for she knew that his sister was dear to him even though he was a man who seldom spoke of his personal feelings he always answered her letters promptly and insisted upon his children doing the same much to their dislike she could remember that one of the few times when he had punished her most severely was because she had spoken disrespectfully of this aunt for the first time in her life it occurred to her that her father led a lonely life it had seemed his natural part and she had never thought he needed anything else she loved him of course and supposed he loved her but they never exhibited this love in any way what a difference it would make in their home if there were such ways as they had at the greys would her father care to have her meet him when he came home at night and kiss him could she do it what if she should try? She began to realize that it was not all her father's fault that their home life was cold, and each one went his separate way. Could it be that her father was lonely, and would like his daughter to be affectionate and companionable? It must have been hard to have his young wife die and leave him with two children to bring up. He had his business true, and perhaps all his thought and feeling had been absorbed into that still she could remember times when he would drop his paper across his knee and sit back in his chair with a sad expression and his eyes shaded was he recalling his early life and dreams then how strange that she had never thought of her father in this way before perhaps she might be a little good like allison if she attempted to make things a trifle pleasanter for her father and brother suppose she should sometime be changed into such a girl as allison it couldn't be done of course but suppose it could what would they all think of her her father and brother and the servants what would jane think and what would mr worthington think yes and what would dr gray think ah but he would never know and why should she take all this trouble anyway oh dear life was a dismal thing at best she was anxious to get back once more into the whirl of things and forget all this fanaticism it was actually getting into her brain. She wished she had something to read. True, there was in her bag a tiny volume Allison had given her when she left her at the train, but she could see at a glance that it was more of this uncomfortable religion which she hoped she was leaving behind in Hillcroft. She wanted something better. She ran for the porter and asked him to summon the news agent with sonic books from which she could select one. He came whistling in from the door behind her chair, slamming it after him, 
and at the porter's sign dumped his pile of books in the aisle by her chair, while he selected a few for her scrutiny. "'Did you want a love story, ma'am, or some real blood and thunder? This here book is—' He stopped with an exclamation. "'Hello, is this you? You ain't going home so soon, are you?' She raised her eyes with freezing dignity to the saucy, handsome ones above her, and beheld Bert Judkins. "'I'm taking this fellow's root while he's sick. I could get it permanent if I was to try, cause he's tired of it. But she—' He paused and nodded back toward Hillcroft. "'She's awful set against it. She says I'll have to run Sunday, and I suppose I will. But a feller's got to live, though she won't allow that.' She says you've only got to do right and starve if you ain't looked after. There ain't any got about livin'. Of course, if that's the way you look at it, she's bout right. And if I decide to do what she wants, I shan't try for this. Say, has she roped you into this thing, too? Or are you one of em? I didn't think you was quite their kind, but you're a jolly player. He piled his books at her feet and seated himself familiarly in the chair next to hers, which happened to be vacant. It was a trifle amusing and also embarrassing. Bert Judkins, in the parlor of her hostess as an amateur violinist, among people who knew him and for whom she did not care, and Bert Judkins as newsagent on a parlor car filled with elegant strangers, was two different beings. However, they were all strangers to her, and she glanced about and decided it did not matter in the least. She could, of course, order him off or send for the porter, but she had tasted of the joy of helping on a good cause, and to her credit be it said, it did not occur to her to go back upon her one-time protégé in this way. He did not stay long. His business called him away soon, but he managed to get in a good deal of talk and a few troublesome questions. Did you say she roped you in? He asked again, without the least consciousness of being impudent. Evelyn colored and understood. Was this boy, even, going to keep it up? She turned him off again and again, but he was keen enough to understand that she knew, from the way he changed his conversation, it was as if he felt a responsibility upon him to do or say something that his teacher would have done, were she in his place. He was awkward at it, but he was never shy. I say, he said when he had for the fifth time turned off his question by picking up a book and examining it. Maybe you'd make another partnership affair of it. I don't know, as I'm just ready to say I'd do what she wants yet myself, but maybe by me by I'd say yes, if you would. Something like we did Sunday night, you know. Well, you let me know when you are ready, said Evelyn quickly, glad to have a chance to get out of the thing, and at the same time say nothing to hinder Allison's work. I will, that's a bargain, said he, with a brisk business-like air, and I guess I'm about made up not to go on the railroad count a Sunday travel, anyway, not till I'm sure about the whole shootin' match. With which elegant and reverent expression, he whirled himself and his books into the next car, and left Evelyn in a state bordering on hysterics. It was silly, of course, to mind what the uncouth boy had said. But again and again his sharp questions came back, making her think of other questions as searching, but asked in quiet, cultured tones. How was it that this thing seemed to pursue her as she went? Well, that boy would leave at Pittsburgh, and then she would deliberately settle herself to forget it all. Bert was very busy during the remainder of the way to Pittsburgh. He did not have time for talk. 
he paid her little delicate attentions that any gentleman might have done perhaps and she knew it was for allison's sake he came in with a book he had found among the stock the sky pilot which he told her was a dandy and she was awful fond of and another time he quietly laid a box of hyler's best chocolates in her lap she showed her appreciation of these attentions by a quiet smile and would not offend him by offering to pay for what she knew he gave for love of his teacher though she resolved to make it up to him when she should be where she could select some good music for him which she would send through allison just before the train rushed into pittsburgh he halted by her seat pencil and notebook in hand where did you say you lived in new york he demanded sixty-fourth street what number i might be there some day and then i'll call and see you good-bye hope you have a good journey sorry you can't play for me some more maybe you'll come back again some day ta-ta and with a familiar wave of his hand he swung himself out the door much to her relief as other passengers were gathering about preparatory to leaving the car and looking curiously at the ill-assorted couple he appeared to her again as she was trying to find a place where a decent supper could be obtained and pushed into her hands another volume it's black rock he explained the other one i knew you'd want to read it too i got it off the agent in the station there goes my return whistle and off he went this time without the parting sentence which she had been dreading what had she done given him her new york address what if he should suddenly appear there some day with his familiar ta-ta and his strange mixing of subjects and pointed personal questions he certainly would create a sensation as she settled herself in the sleeper two hours later she had to admit to herself that bert judkins had enlivened her lonely journey for her that afternoon and that she had him to thank for the two fascinating books into which she had dipped enough to know that they contained food for future thought gwen's canon was to be to her a study she did not understand it now the canon in her own life which would come some day as yet seemed so impossible that she could but stand outside the story of this other girl and wonder finally the experiences of the day and to a certain extent of the past three weeks faded somewhat and she began to look forward to to-morrow and its possibilities as she thought of her gay brother lying in a gloomy hotel room she felt a pity for him new to her her own position as nurse was strongly influenced by the atmosphere in which she had been moving lately a month ago she would have been going to philadelphia more for her own sake than her brother's now the feeling of help for him was strong upon her and grew as she sped nearer to him something like love glowed in her heart of course it was love she had always loved her brother in a way but she did not remember to have ever realized it before except the time they thought he was drowned for a few hours when he was a little fellow and yet he was a lovable fellow handsome and bright and scholarly his tastes were much like hers but they had been separate during late years she had been away to school and he to college and afterward they each had their friends and engagements and came and went without much reference to each other a fashion the rutherfords had evelyn began to see that this had been her fault largely for it is the woman of a home who keeps the home the centre of the life of the family a man does not know how to do it 
she resolved at least to make some little changes in the way she had been doing there was no reason why she should not have more of her brother's society it might be very convenient and she certainly envied allison the love of such a brother it would at least give her something to do yes she would try to be more sisterly to poor dick and see how it worked of course she could not do anything outlandish but this was the spirit of what dr gray had wanted her to do she recognized that the spirit of christianity at least it was the spirit he and his family showed and she would try on a bit out and see how it fitted with this reflection and the hurried prayer which was fast becoming a habit she fell asleep philadelphia looked almost as dismal as pittsburgh in the early morning light the air was full of a fine cold mist and the streets were wet and sticky she took a cab and drove to the hotel at which her brother was staying she sent up to find out how he was and word came down from the nurse that he was awake and very restless then she went up at once she had not sent word she was coming nor sent up her name by the porter so her entrance was an entire surprise mr richard rutherford had lain awake nearly all night he was suffering somewhat but his main trouble seemed to be nervousness the nurse explained as he met evelyn at the door he had declared he would not lie there any longer and demanded to be allowed to turn over to move or do something forbidden until the nurse was well-nigh out of patience he stood at the door heavy-eyed telling the story in a half-complaining tone to evelyn and the patient called him in no pleasant voice from within something in her brother's intonation roused all the womanliness and motherliness and loveliness in the girl she saw in a flash how some woman was needed their mother if she had lived perhaps if she had been such a woman as mrs gray what peace and comfort mrs gray would bring into that forlorn room in a little while she saw as in a vision how she might try it herself that this was meant for her to do that it would be a good and right thing to do and she seemed to know at once that it would be difficult because of her unaccustomedness and because of her ease-loving nature then without more ado she resolved to do it at least for a few minutes or hours till this need should pass she would be mrs gray or allison as far as she knew how she put the nurse aside without ceremony and entered going softly to the bedside where her brother lay white and suffering and impatient she stooped over and kissed him gently on the forehead she reflected afterward that she was getting into a great habit of kissing people and it was rather nice after all much as she used to despise it it touched her to see her brother's look of pleased surprise as she kissed him and said you poor dear i'm so sorry for you her words were from her heart too which surprised her even more she had never had much to draw out her sympathy and knew not that her soul contained any oh evelyn is that you he said eagerly grasping her hand nobody ever looked so good before i've been in this wretched spot for ages it seems to me last night was purgatory that nurse was a fool evelyn meantime was swiftly taking off wraps and hat and noting with observing eye what was needed how could she the most quickly make him comfortable his forehead was hot when she kissed him his eager response to her greeting touched her more than she cared to show she laid her hands upon a clean towel and dipped it unceremoniously into the ice-pitcher 
and went over to him to bathe his face and hands. Oh, how good that feels, he said, closing his eyes and submitting to her gentle passes on face and hands. Why didn't that fellow think of it when I felt as if my head was on fire? He's as stupid as a boiled owl. The nurse, meanwhile, had taken advantage of the presence of the lady to slip into the hall and tell his grievances to a sympathetic chambermaid, who was answering calls from early risers and hovering near a linen closet. Evelyn wiped her brother's face and hands gently and straightened the bedclothes. She found his hairbrush and brushed his hair. Then, after ringing for a maid and a bill of fare, she ordered up a dainty breakfast and strange to say she did not select expensive dainties such as she had been used to do but chose rather some of the plain homely things which she remembered as tasting so good at hillcroft they would not be so good as allison's of course but perhaps their very homeliness might coax dick to taste them he watched her as she moved about setting a chair at just the right angle here opening a blind and arranging a curtain there the room looked like a different place since she had come into it. He had always known that his sister was beautiful, but he had never noticed that tender, lovely expression of womanliness that she wore this gray morning. Had it always been there, and he too blind to see it? Or had some new influence come into her life? He felt his heart quicken with a new feeling toward her. When the breakfast came up, she sent the heavy-eyed nurse to get something to eat while she remained and fed her brother herself, and ate her breakfast there with him from the same tray. The Evelyn he thought he knew would have taken her breakfast before she came up to see him at all, and then have left things to the hired nurse. This Evelyn seemed to know beforehand what he wanted. When the breakfast was over, she darkened the room and soothed him to sleep by gentle passes of her hand across his forehead utterly refusing to talk until he should have had a good long rest. She had seen Allison put her father to sleep in this way more than once when he came home in the evening with a hard headache after an unusually trying day. It was marvelous how much her three weeks' visit had taught her. There was not a turn she had to take now, but something Mrs. Gray or Allison had done guided her in her untried way. It was strange that they should influence her so, she thought she forgot that they were almost the only people she had ever watched about homely work-a-day life she sat for a while in the darkened room while her brother slept and thought about it all and wondered what she should do next and if she would be able to carry out her new character till dick was well then she shut her lips a good deal as allison had done and resolved that she would after that she set herself to see what she could do to make the room more homelike when Richard Rutherford awoke after a long, refreshing sleep, he thought that he had been moved to another place. The sun had come out, and the curtains were drawn back to let a flood of it across the room. This had been done as he showed signs of waking. There was a glowing fire in the hitherto cold black grate, and his sister in a crimson dress sat in a little rocking chair by it with her feet on the fender. A large bright screen kept the light from hurting his eyes and the delicate perfume of Jacqueminot roses floated through the air from a large bowlful on a little stand near the bed, which also contained several new books and the morning paper. End of chapter 15